Welcome to the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Gerald Borgay. Welcome, Valley boys and girls, to another episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. I am joined by a special guest for our comeback episode. It's been a while. We've had to take a quick break because the NBA season and my work schedule were crazy, but I'm very excited for today's guest. He is an NBA columnist for Forbes. He is one of the hardest working and best research writers in the NBA game, and he's a good friend of mine too, back from our Hoops Habit days as Hoops Habit alums when we were first getting started <laughs> in the industry. Mr. Shane Young, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Gerald. That was way too kind of an intro. That's <laughs> definitely my favorite intro I've ever had. So thanks for that. And I, I will just say, man, like it, it's been quite a journey with you at 2013. The fact that mm-hmm. I think you might you might have started that year or a year before me. So the yeah. fact that we've been tied together that long, eight years now, is yep. wild. We've been through we've been through the ups and downs of Lakers Suns. Like it, they've been like the bottom of the barrel. Now they're like top of the line. It's, it's crazy. We can never forget the hashtag. If the Lakers get to 49 wins <laughs> can never forget. Um, they did. They did last year. One they year. did. They finally did it. They did it. Um, but yeah, we have been covering some of the dog days for the teams that we covered growing up. And now we're finally getting to cover some great basketball. Um, Shane, you've mostly done Clippers stuff this year, right? Yeah, so I I really kind of transferred to that beat once the Clippers spot kind of opened up at Forbes last season, right after Kawhi and PG signed so, or got there. So been doing Clippers for about a season and a half. That's pretty good timing, though, at least if you're going <laughs> to yeah. make the switch. Um, but let's dive right into our first topic of the show. Obviously, the Suns have locked in the two seed with uh, Utah's win over Sacramento tonight. And it looks like the Lakers are the seventh place team. They'll be taking on the Warriors in that play-in game. Uh, But before we get to breaking down those two potential matchups, I just got to ask this question off topic. Where do the Suns rank among title contenders in the West in your book, disregarding matchups? Okay. So with this being a Suns podcast, the viewership is 99.9% Suns fans yeah. and probably 0.1% <laughs> national fans or your other teams fans. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I w- just honest to God, I would go fourth. I think okay. fourth. And it's like mm-hmm. not a popular answer because they're the two C 51 wins on pace for uh, over a traditional season, 58 wins. Um, you would think that that w- would give them credence to being a uh, top tier contender. And maybe you can still call that a top tier contender. Maybe you can say fourth in the West is you're still on that tier with the Clippers, Lakers and jazz. I know they've beat the jazz three times, right? They're mm-hmm. three, no against them. All three. Times. I just, yeah, I just kind of feel like in a series, I would trust the jazz a little bit more. And I really don't have a good reason for why I, I, and I probably would be wrong, but for me, I think I would put them right behind the jazz for third. Yeah. And I mean, that's fair. I feel like people listening might take that as a slight, but honestly, if you look at how stacked the top of the West is, you look at the fact that the Lakers are where they are because they weren't healthy, um, that the Clippers were pacing themselves and had a lot of injuries as well. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't think that's a slight. I think there are just a lot of really good teams yeah. and it's a wide open year, but yeah. And, and you can kind of just say that like, maybe they're, they're tied with the jazz, maybe the Suns and, and the jazz are right there in the same spot. It's just going to, and that would be a long series if it happened, but you know, I, the Suns have bigger fish to fry uh, before they get there. So <laughs> they really do. And, and I think with the jazz thing, like it's totally fair. Cause we've, I've talked about this at length on the pod before, but when four of your top seven rotation guys will be playing in their first playoff series ever, I mean, that yeah. could, that could matter, but let's talk about that first round because the Suns have not been to the playoffs in 11 years. They have been through hell and back over the last decade since Steve Nash left. Uh, and their reward for this incredible turnaround, this 51-win season, is a matchup with either the defending champions or Steph Curry and the NBA's leading scorer. So, I mean, that is peak Suns if they were going to return to the playoffs and have a great season. That's just vintage Suns. But... Shane, I don't know about you, but obvious, it's pretty obvious which team Suns fans should be rooting for on Wednesday's play yeah. game. <laughs> you should root for the team that is a one-man wrecking machine, and the rest are very inconsistent players. And <laughs> that's the team I would I would root for in that play-in. Uh, mm. Although, Gerald, what are the odds? Like, it would just be hilarious, kind of, and chaotic to see Suns fans around the world rooting for Steph Curry in that game. And mm. then they actually get into a series with Steph Curry <laughs> and he hits 86 three pointers in six games. Like that would just be like ultimate ha ha ha. Like <laughs> that would be the kind of season that Steph Curry is having. He's been absolutely absurd. Um, you know, obviously NBA's leading score averaged 32 points a game and the Warriors have played well as a team. Maybe that's maybe when I say Warriors, that's being generous because it's mostly Steph. But yeah, um, you know, they're on a six game win streak. They won eight of their last nine. Um, you know, Curry is the oldest player to lead the league in scoring since Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> he had like 38 30 point games, I think, and hit 337 threes, which is just stupid. <laughs> For an 82-game season, that's stupid. He did it in 72. Um, and he's a problematic matchup because they don't – I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they don't have a guard that can make his life difficult. Yeah. Mikael Bridges is a great defender, but that's a tough matchup for anyone, and, and Steph is still so quick off the dribble like that. Um, but what would you think of a Suns-Warriors matchup and how that would look? I would kind of love it from the standpoint of you have, you have a team. I think you know. I think Phoenix. It's pretty safe to say they want to grind you down into a possession game. Like they want, they want to make things slower during, the, especially during the second half. They might start fast in, in some games and in some instances, but mm-hmm. at, at the end, we know it's Chris Paul getting ISO switches, Devin Booker really taking some some time off the shot clock and and hunting for the best shot. And I think that's, you know, Monty Williams has not, has not went away from that style. That's kind of the style that they are just committed to play. And then Golden State kind of, they, they do operate slow sometimes as well, but I think they're best when they really get stops and get out on the break. So it's yeah. a kind of, it's a clash of two different styles there, at least styles that they want to play. Um, it's going to come down to what team dictates that pace. Like, you know, the old adage in, in modern or in, in sports, especially basketball, is we make them play our game. 
Mm-hmm. And if you can make them play your game, then you really have the advantage the whole series. And I think I think the Suns would be able to do that. Um, Draymond obviously becomes the most important player in that potential series because if he is shying away from taking open shots, because mm-hmm. you know Chris Paul has has played <laughs> against him so many times that he and Chris Paul is the extension of Monty on the floor, right? He is the coach, the de facto coach on the floor. And I think he's going to be the one that's like, hey, we're just not guarding him. We're just yeah. not going to guard him. We've I've seen this story before, um, especially in, in, in the West playoffs with the Rockets. So uh, Draymond becomes the most important guy, whether he is at his top level defensive level talent or he is not, not taking open shots or if he shoots 40% from three on those open shots. So um, I'm kind of just interested in the styles, though, with, with those two teams. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think – you're right as far as the Suns' more methodical approach and the way that they really do execute well, especially in late-game scenarios. They've got the second-best record in games involving clutch minutes this season, um, and a huge part of that is Chris Paul. But um, the Warriors are, you know, they're heating up at the right time. Steph Curry is unguardable. And Draymond Green, I mean, he's not the defensive player of the year, but he should be you know, in those top three, top five vote getters this year, because he's been terrific for what he's lost in athleticism. He makes up for in just sheer intelligence communication. Like he is pivotal to what's been a top five defense quietly. Um, so that would be a fascinating series. I, I want to get your prediction for that though. If, if it's oh. a Suns Warriors matchup, who are you taking and in how many games? I think it's funny that we're already like, like I'm already dialed <laughs> into it being, to being the Warriors. When yep. the odds when it's say not. it's not going to be the Warriors, <laughs> yeah. but I just, I want it to happen. Um, I would go Suns in five. Yeah. I would, I think you so. gotta give, you gotta give Wardell one game. Oh like, yeah. You gotta get, you gotta give him one game in the chase center just to go off or those road performances that he had in that 2016 playoffs, which were fire. So I would love to see that. Uh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think people in, in, in your arena would like to <laughs> no. see that, but um, probably not. So I would go Suns and five, but um, something else that like that's kind of mildly interesting to me is DeAndre Ayton has really grown a lot this year, like mm. leaps and bounds, and you would not know that from looking at the numbers. No. Some games you would you would see dramatic jumps in his production. Others mm. you would look at it and say, "Man, he just regressed," mm. but he's been a lot better. I think his awareness is number one, and I'm not like. I don't think we should do this. Uh, I know, I know you saw that picture that sir, that that uh, circulated around Sun's Twitter where Chris Paul was carrying DeAndre Ayton oh, as a God. baby. It was so bad. Did you did you already go on a <laughs> did you go on a rant about this yet? I pretty I pretty much. Uh, what did I say? I said um, we need a CP3 for MVP case, and then just said national media and tweeted the picture because that's what it always is. <laughs> Yes, you're right. While, while I, all right. So, like, what I was, what I, the reason I brought that up is, you can say that Chris Paul has had an effect on on DeAndre Aiden without going to that extent. I, I'm not going to sit here and give Chris Paul 100% of the credit for DeAndre Aiden being what he is this year. I right. think it's probably 30%, 40%. He's had a a pretty good impact on him in terms of uh, helping him mature and helping him uh, understand this is where I need to be. This is what I need to do. I need to roll hard. I need to slow down. You know, the game has come easier for him. But, mm-hmm. you know, Aiton's done that. I think he deserves a lot of credit himself and as, as well as Monty Williams. I would love to see 
if Draymond thinks that he can get into the head of DeAndre Ayton because Ayton's still young, right? What is he, 21? I think he's 22. 20, 22? Like, yeah. I, you know, I kind of feel like Draymond would think that he has, like, such a mental edge on him, and I would love to see how that goes, especially if they play Draymond at the five mm-hmm. and see if Ayton can really get out there and guard those pick and rolls, if he's good in drop coverage scenarios. Mm-hmm. So uh, you would know this more than I do, before I guess get your prediction on the series, how have the Suns fared in against like stretch bigs and how have they done against, against those small lineups this year? Yeah. The small lineups have given them problems. It's mostly been honestly on the other end of the floor teams that can switch against the Suns because they love to hunt mismatches, especially with Booker and Chris Paul being able to break you down in the mid range. Um, Mm -hmm. They love to target bigs like that and get some actions going. And then they can also capitalize on Aiton when he gets a smaller guy switched onto him in the post. They like to do that. But, um, you know, Aiton, when Aiton is locked in, when he has like an assignment for the night or he has something specific to keep him engaged, like he is very good. He's got the, the quick feet and the ability to switch his hips to contain smaller guards, especially off the dribble. Um, there are a couple of times this season where the Suns got burned late in games by small lineups because they would, you know, hunt that that isolation on Aiton and he was either tired or just lazy or just not locked in and would get blown by. But for the most part, he did a good job. I, I think in a series like this, Draymond at the five is still a scary proposition at times, but I, I don't think you can run that for extended minutes without Aiton capitalizing on it and the Suns finding a way to counter it. Um, and obviously they just don't have the same talent that they would normally have with clay. So I would also say sons and five in this particular series, um, maybe even six, if Wardell just goes insane, which we know he could do against an inexperienced team, but I would have to say sons and five, just because they've been locked in, they've taken care of good competition when it's mattered this season. Um, but I want to ask you about the Lakers next, since that's actually oh. the series that'll probably come to fruition. Um, LeBron and Anthony Davis are looking healthy, which is scary. They've kind of, (laughs) they seem like they've shaken off the rust. Um, AD's had a little bit more time to do that than LeBron. He's only played like two games over the last couple weeks. Um, but Dennis Schroeder's back as well. They were the NBA's best defense for most of the season. And that's just a brutal matchup because of their size with AD and Gasol or Drummond, whoever they go with, uh, Shane, I feel like this is the worst possible matchup that they could have out of the other seven playoff teams. (laughs) It is. And uh, I guess some breaking news, LeBron said that in his opinion, Steph Curry is the MVP of the league. So I'm not sure if that's a slight on Jokic. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if it's LeBron not liking Jokic or he just believes Steph is unreal. Could be either either of those two. Mm. But LeBron and AD coming back at this time, like it, it is just throwing the the league for a loop because they they were in danger. I'm honestly surprised they didn't drop lower because they missed a lot of games together. They've only played they they're 19 and eight, 19 and eight when LeBron and AD are active now, mm-hmm. and that's not a lot of time together. Um, no, so I think I think the Suns could capitalize early on in the series and go up maybe 2-1 or something like that, 2-0, 2-1, and people would start thinking, oh, you know, the Lakers are on their heels. Mm-hmm. And I just – I think eventually it will click for them. 
and they'll and they'll get their continuity back to where it was. They look they still look really good when their starters are on the floor together, or I should say when Schroeder, LeBron, and AD play together. Because uh, then I, th- I think the other spots are up in the air, right? You they don't know if they want to go with Drummond or Gasol more. They don't know how much they're playing Trez. And they just have a lot of bigs. In reality, Anthony Davis needs to be playing center. We, you and I both know that. Like he needs to be yeah. at center with LeBron and three shooters. Mm-hmm. They just don't get to those lineups quite often enough. So the length of that series, Suns Lakers would determine would would be determined by how quickly can they get to those lineups. Because I don't know about you, I'm just like whenever they got Drummond through, I think the, the buyout. <laughs> Yeah. immediately thought they just got a little bit worse, maybe 10% mm-hmm. worse as a team. At times, it looks like more than 10% worse. He clogs up things dr- drastically. He is not as good of a defender as people imagine he is, which I don't know why they think he's just this <laughs> lockdown guy. Mm-hmm. Mark Gasol is, is, has been around for you know a decade plus, 12, 13 years. He knows defensive coverage is like the back of his hand. I would roll with Gasol a lot more than I would with Drummond, but it seems like Vogel is kind of playing to the relationships and friendships mm-hmm. part of it. And Anthony Davis is a, is a big fan and friend of Drummond. So I think they just want to play together and that's really going to mess things up. I think so Suns Lakers would go a, a long way in a series. And I really don't know who I would pick. Like it's, it's, it's too tight for it's too tight for me to even think about. I'm not sure about you. Would you? I know you said at the top of the question that it's the worst possible matchup. Do you, mm-hmm. you kind of think that the Suns would be toast, or do you think it would definitely go seven? I see. Here's the thing: is there's so much that's unpredictable on both sides for me because on the Sun side, I think if they play like they have all season, then I would pick them in six or seven, probably. Um, just because the Lakers haven't had time to build that chemistry, that cohesion to get AD and LeBron back in the swing of things, or even Schroeder for that yeah. matter. Um, but you, I just don't know what to expect from the Suns team because they're so young. And teams this young with this many key players not having played in a playoff game typically don't go far. I think this is a different scenario just because of the nature of this season you know, having Chris Paul and Jay Crowder there helps. Um, Devin Booker's been preparing for this moment literally since he's started wasting away on these terrible teams. Yeah. Um, but man, the defending champs in the first round is a tough draw. And then on the Lakers side, they're unpredictable too because I have no idea what to expect from LeBron and AD yeah. in heavy minutes. Like we don't know if they're a hundred percent yet or if they're ready for the grind of the playoffs without being built up towards it so i think i would take suns right now because like you're saying if they don't get scared by the moment if they don't wilt under the bright lights of the playoffs they could quickly build up a series lead and they have looked really good against the nba's best teams when they've had time to prepare for them um, which would be the case in a playoff series Um, so i might take suns in seven but if the lakers are fully healthy i don't know how you could pick against them. I'm also just going to say, like, I'm not sure what side you you're kind of leaning towards on this matter, but I'm just going to say, I think the whole not having playoff experience thing for their role players is way overblown. I I just think it's way overblown. I've never been somebody that, that kind of thinks that unless your leaders 
and your head coach have never been there. Like if this was, yeah. you know, if this was like the thunder, this year's thunder right. that that were mm. good in the playoffs, <laughs> like I would understand that. Like they just wouldn't have a chance in hell. But yeah. I think Monty Williams has been on so many teams. I mean, it's, he's mm. he's been with you know, Pop. He's been with uh, the, the Sixers. He's been with the, a lot of teams. And he's even been a head coach in the playoffs as well. I, I think that he would, and he, and to me, I think Monty, I think we talked about this on a podcast we did a, a few months ago. I think he's probably the NBA's best at relating to his players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen someone that, you know, maybe I, I would say Ty Lue also, because he's so, he's so young compared to other coaches that he, and he's played in the NBA as, as did Monty. So you could, you could relate in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Monty is good from that standpoint. And Chris he's going to have your team ready. Like Chris is going to relentlessly go through the film with you. He's going to uh, use his experience in, in the past, what, 14 playoffs he's been in, 15 playoffs he's been in. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jay Crowder, man. Like Jay Crowder's been in one NBA Finals that I can remember, two NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think two NBA Finals before. One with LeBron maybe, one with um, – I'm not Did sure. He... If he, was he on that 2000 – was he on that 2018 Cavs team that mm-hmm. went to the Finals? I don't think so. I think he had been they, traded they to trade, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it was. They traded him midseason when they shipped out their entire team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he's been through deep playoff runs in his, in his life. So I'm not sure that that's going to matter as much. And Devin Booker, like, if you want to say, oh, Devin Booker's never never been to the playoffs, he, does, he doesn't know what it's like. You're kind of right, but he's also – he just does not care about that. He's a stone-cold killer. He, I've never seen Devin Booker phased by the moment. And he, and plus, I think this also matters too, man. Like, he's played in arenas that are high-intensity, full-capacity that, that that are going to be louder than the playoff arenas that he's going to play in this year. <laughs> right. Right? So I don't. Yeah. I just don't think the playoff atmosphere is going to be a thing until it's 100% capacity – arenas which you're not going to have this year so mm-hmm. a little bit overblown for me that's a that's a fair point i i think for me my concern is more with i don't i don't i'm not worried about booker i am worried about cam johnson as far as like he's been wearing a cast on his shooting wrist he has a wrist minor wrist injury um so we don't know his status going in the playoffs deandre ayton yeah. is a guy who you know I, I've, I've seen him rise to the occasion on a lot of, in a lot of different games. I think he will be ready and locked in, but if he's not, that's a hard thing for them to overcome because then their backup bigs are Dario Saric, who's faded yeah. out of the rotation lately and, and Frank Kaminsky, which is not good. But I, I, I think that's a good point as far as, you know, if, if this were, if there were a year to ease yourself into the playoffs with crowds that aren't full capacity, This is the year to do it, but um, we're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, Shane. So we've broken down the Lakers and Warriors potential matchups. Let's dive right into the NBA awards. And I mean, we're going to make our picks. Obviously there are some Suns, um, you know, some Suns candidates for a couple of them. Let's just start right at the top with MVP. Um, I think we both agree that Nikola Jokic is the MVP this year. Like it's, and it shouldn't be close. We've both kind of gone off on the same national writer who keeps trying to make this a thing about how he's not a good MVP candidate. We both think that's garbage. 
my question to you is out of your like top five MVP candidates, does Chris Paul have a case? Is he in there anywhere? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> before we get to that, I guess, <laughs> are, are, are we, are we already also calling Kendrick Perkins a national writer? <laughs> are no, we also I was, so I was actually talking about Nick Wright, but you okay. know, you, <laughs> and I guess he's not a writer either now that I say yeah. that, but <laughs> man, like, cause I think the most egregious one has been Perk, but yeah, that, that's, that's to be expected. <laughs> uh, carry on the two weeks. Carry so on I dot, think... dot, dot. <laughs> um, whenever all it, it's actually funny when all, when all the discourse was starting about the Chris Paul MVP train, mm-hmm. I thought like, I wouldn't even have this dude fifth on my ballot. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I would have him sixth. Like I, I just right. wouldn't have him on the ballot and people are arguing for him to win the damn thing. That's oh, wild that's- to me. Now, after two and a half to three weeks have went by, and he he has put together even more dominant performances, the most ridiculous stat of stats, I guess, of the season, is when this guy has ten plus assists and zero and zero turnovers. He's yeah. done it what four or five times this year, and now forty nine for his career, the most <laughs> of any player ever. Not mm-hmm. John Stockton. Not name your point guard. He's Chris Paul has done it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Now I would have Chris fifth. Uh, I think I would put him fifth. And, and you know, Suns fans around the world would say, hey, he should be third. He should be fourth. He, hell, he, he might have an argument against Jokic. I just – I don't see that because I think mm-hmm. – I think objectively – not sure where you're at. I think objectively I would go Jokic is the, Jokic is the king of the crop right now. Mm-hmm. And then I think you can say – Steph and Giannis have had better seasons individually. Yeah. Um, especially when you factor in like Giannis's defense this year and, and, and then Steph's mm-hmm. otherworldly numbers, like breaking records and such. It's, you know, Chris has had a, have a really fantastic season, but he hasn't done that. Like he hasn't, right. no part of his game has been otherworldly. He's been great across the board, but he hasn't mm-hmm. done anything at, the, at that, <laughs> you know, superlative level. Um, so I would go Jokic, Giannis, or I would go Jokic and Bead because Embiid's mm. numbers are just, just rivaling <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal from yeah. 2000. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that, you deserve to be up there, even if you're 800 minutes behind. I think. You know, right. I guess we could get into an <laughs> argument there. That might be where where people separate the the list and, and tiers. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Jokic and Embiid. Steph and Giannis should equivocally, unequivocally be ahead of Chris. And then you get, you got, you got Chris battling with Luca probably. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. I, I think our top fives are very similar. Cause I've got Jokic and bead second um, Giannis third. I give him the edge just because of, you know, the team success factor. And then Steph Curry is fourth because he's just been too otherworldly yeah. to not include um, Chris. I also have as my fifth, um, and you could, you could make a case for Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic, obviously yeah, LeBron and Harden. Yeah. Dame's up there too. LeBron and Harden missed too many games. They would have been probably somewhere in the top five had they not gotten hurt. But, um, you know, with Lillard and Luka, they're both putting up really good numbers. They carried their teams without guys, but for Chris Paul, you know, he, for what he's doing in his age 35 36 season is stupid 
Um, it's mostly narrative driven and it's like intangible yeah. leadership stuff. And, you know, the sun. I thought your, I thought your tweet was the best I've seen on the whole entire situation, which was if you're going to, if you're going to belittle the sun's <laughs> culture, if you're going to belittle Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Monty Williams, and the entire group to say Chris has carried them into the right. playoffs or into the two seed, you're doing a disservice to Mikhail, DeAndre, Monty, and, and Devin. You're doing a disservice to right. everybody. Yeah, like, I mean, people just are doing the simple equ equation of, well, the Suns won 34 <laughs> games last year. They won 51 this year. So Suns plus Chris Paul equals a 17-win increase, and <laughs> now they're title content. Like, no, like, Devin Booker has been the rock the whole time, and he was the reason Chris Paul said that he wanted to come here. That and the culture the turnaround that Monty Williams had already installed here in Phoenix. Um, he, he had said it himself, like they were already turning it around. They had the culture established. He wanted to come here and help accelerate their, you know, upward trajectory, which he's done. Um, and I think that's the beauty of his MVP case, not he's carrying these baby sons to the playoffs. <laughs> um, uh, I do find so, it fascinating. I do find it fascinating, by the way, that hmm. – a, a 51 or let's call it a 58 win team because that's what they are uh, you right. know if you uh, extrapolate it out uh, a 58 win team <clears throat> has a 25 26 per game score mm -hmm. and that guy <laughs> is not, not <laughs> it, and that guy is not not only not the candidate that isn't even viewed as the best player on the team yeah like it's 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 strange it is very strange, and I think we've gotten a little bit carried away, and I think because Devin Booker's had some rough stretches and Chris Paul has been more even keel throughout, I think that's yeah. what it is. But it's honestly like – and Chris has been terrific in the clutch. I think that's a difference for yeah. some people too. Like he's sixth in the league in clutch scoring. Um, and the advanced the metrics aren't close either. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. Booker has not been his normally good self in the clutch, but – it is weird that book is kind of fallen by the wayside. If, if the Suns are going to have an MVP candidate and you were just to look at the numbers, it would, it would be book, but you know, we obviously don't do that because we are the smart people that take a look at both. So <laughs> um, yeah, let's, let's move on to rookie of the year. We're not going to spend much time here because obviously nah. Jalen Smith has no case, but uh, who's your rookie of the year pick? <laughs> Sorry, Jalen. I, f I feel like you can really go both ways on this one. Um, it, it, and honestly, I think the uh, the rookie of the year stuff has maybe come down to this a few times where it's one guy that is produced on a playoff team or I guess playoff caliber team. And mm. then the other guy that's produced <clears throat> a lot more numbers, a lot better numbers on, I wouldn't say a lot better, but uh, more volume numbers mm. on a team that's one of the worst in the league. <laughs> right. And that that's happened quite a few times in rookie of the year. And you kind of just have to, Go with what you're with what you value. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with what I typically don't value. Typically, yeah. I value the guy that's on the playoff team. I would go mm -hmm. Lamelo Ball. Uh -huh. I just think the difference in minutes. I think the difference in scoring. I think the growth and maturity from Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards would be my pick at 72 games, 71 games played, 72. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going Anthony Edwards on that one. And I think that's fair. I, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going LaMelo Ball. Ooh. And I think it's, for me, it's because 
you know, obviously we've seen in years past where guys like Zion and Joel Embiid, when they were on the floor, they were clearly the best rookie that the class had to offer, but they missed way too many games to qualify. Um, I think in this case, LaMelo Ball fits that same category as far as guys that when they've been on the floor have clearly been the best or the most impactful rookie. Um, But he hasn't missed nearly as many. I think Joel played like 30 some and Zion was like barely scratching 20. Yeah. (laughs) LaMelo's at 51. 51. 51 So, I mean, 21 games is, is a lot of games, especially in a shorter season. Um, But, you know, I, I think, but Ball's, let's see, he's second in scoring and rebounds. He's first in assists and steals among rookies. Um, He's been a more efficient shooter and, you know, the playoff thing, obviously the Hornets slipped up to 10 on the last day. So that kind of sucks, but they're still a playoff caliber team, I guess, even if they're not a winning team. Um, But yeah, Anthony Edwards, since the start of March has been really good. And that was around the time when you know, like Carl Anthony Towns was actually playing, which kind of matters. <laughs> like, like they asked him to shoulder a big scoring burden without a lot of yeah. talent around him. Rookies are going to struggle. He really did turn it around. So I think, I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. Um, I would put it in for ball just because he's been the best rookie when he's been out there. But, yeah. you know, I also kind of pick and choose when availability matters in these votes, as you'll find out. <laughs> so exactly. hypocritical. It- <laughs> On the same way when it comes to, uh, I, I actually had to correct myself because I, I was inconsistent on my MVP uh, fake ballot and also my all NBA teams. I was like, this can't be, this, this can't happen. Like I had, I had to make it, I had to make it make sense as they would say. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of arguments would be prevented or a lot of screaming matches on tw- Twitter would be prevented if you just said it like this. And, and I'll go for my case because you picked LaMelo. So obviously you're going to be LaMelo regardless. But for mm-hmm. me, LaMelo Ball is the best rookie in this class. But for me, he's not the rookie of the year. I think that's – you could yeah, easily spend a lot of arguments by saying <laughs> it that way. I just think Anthony Edwards, I would value what he did in his in playing every single game. That's what mm-hmm. I would do. No, and that's fair. I, th- I think that was kind of similar to what we said with John Morant and Zion Williamson, and oh yeah, yeah, to a lesser degree, Malcolm Brogdon and Joel Embiid, because that one was. You don't think Mal- you don't think Malcolm Brogdon is on that on that level? I th- no, I think Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> deserved to win, maybe just by default. But I mean, this is the one case where we will look at the list of Rookie of the Year winners and be like, nah, that one was different, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that one was a little bit different. He won it with the team that refused to pay him. Oh, like, yeah. Never forget that. No. <laughs> Come on, Milwaukee. <laughs> Eric um, Bledsoe, baby. Oh, we can't. Uh, that name just, I don't want to be here. Um, <laughs> let's go on to the six Man of the Year conversation. Uh, there really isn't a single son that de- deserves it specifically. Cam Bain has honestly maybe been the best backup point guard in the NBA. Dario Saric was a plus minus god until he hit an extended rough patch. Yeah. I think the only case you could make for the Suns is just giving it to their whole damn bench because <laughs> they've been the best bench in the give, NBA. Give it to Chris Paul. Give it to <laughs> He's carried them, these youngsters. Um, Who's who's your pick for this? Because like, I I mean, there's two well, big jazz candidates. There's two big yeah. Mavs candidates. Um, there's a lot of different options here, but I'm interested to see well, who your pick is. Um, can I ask you one question first? You, you sure. can answer it quickly. 
Um, campaign has averaged like 17 minutes a game this year, somewhere around there, 17 and a half, 18. Mm-hmm. How many do you think he would play against the Lakers? I think he would actually play a decent amount because um, I, I don't. It's tough because yeah. I don't know. I don't. I think you can trust him because right. he's been around a little bit, but yeah. he's also it's, Cameron Payne going against you know see, Laker lineups. <laughs> see, I think this campaign is a different campaign than we've ever seen before. I think having Monty's trust in him and just seeing the season that he's had has mm-hmm. given him renewed confidence, and he's put the work in. Um, I think rotations will obviously shorten in the playoffs, especially with the Lakers as your potential first round opponent, they have to. Um, but I still think he'll blog around 15 to 18 minutes a game, depending okay. on, on what they, I mean, they're going to ride Chris Paul and Booker hard for those minutes. But, yeah. um, the good thing about pain is that he allows them to stagger their lineups a little bit more because he can play with either Chris Paul or Devin Booker, um, in an off ball or an on ball role. So. Um, I think I think he he'll still get minutes, but obviously, you know, you're not a six man of the year candidate if you're <laughs> averaging like eight points per game. So uh, exactly. Who, who, who's your pick for the award? Man, I feel like Salt Lake City is like <laughs> as much as they have had this tremendous year, like this mm-hmm. is the one thing that, that will split the fan base. It yeah. kind of reminds me of what split the, the Clippers fan base when the Rondo trade happened, which we won't speak on. <laughs> but because uh, I was I was on the wrong end of that one. <clears throat> um, but I think I think I would go Joe Ingles. The scoring numbers aren't what Clarkson produces. They're never going to be what Clarkson produces because he takes a lot more shots. <laughs> um, and, and really, I guess I guess the argument for Clarkson would be they need him to take those shots. Sometimes in the NBA, the biggest positive for the the biggest positive value is getting the ball in the air. If you don't get the ball in the air for your team, you're doing your team a disservice. And I think he'd come in and he's come in and been the the spark plug for them and giving them good shot creation when they need it. Because Ingles isn't coming off screens like that and firing the ball like Clarkson does. Right. Ingles is more methodical in his approach and he's more efficient. One of the highest true shooting seasons ever. I'm not, I don't know if he got the record. Uh, Probably not, but he was up there. Mm -hmm. I think Ingles... All of his advanced numbers, which you can go by or you can kind of just brush them aside. I, I kind of like what they value. And I, I think he's been a better defender, obviously. <laughs> I think he's been uh, more efficient and he's just been someone that meets the requirements because he didn't start as many games as he came off the bench. And at the begin- beginning of the year, he he's just been a flamethrower all year. So I would go Joe Ingles. Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. I was... Uh... It's Joe Ingles, Joe Clarkson, one-two punch for me. Um, but Ingles is number one, even though he's averaging like six points per game less than Clarkson. Um, heading I don't know into who tonight, would be, I don't know who would be third, third though. Like I, the, had, I had uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. third because he's been on a tear recently. I kind of – it's funny. I went with the lower-scoring guy for the Jazz one-two punch, but I went with the higher-scoring guy for the <laughs> Mavs one-two punch. I took him over Jalen Brunson. Um, but yeah, I've heard I a lot think, of Derek Rose chatter recently. 
we're not uh, that name. Um, <laughs> I don't want to piss <laughs> off a bunch of random people on Twitter that exactly. happen to well, listen to this podcast. Just get, I swear to God, Derek Rose fans can like <laughs> sniff his name out. If it's said into the ether, they know that oh. someone's disrespecting him somewhere. It's oh. insane. Anytime Dude. I tweet that name, I have to like put asterisks in the vowels places so that they don't fucking see it. Because it's like, it's like sharks I think it's, giving a bucket of chum. I think it's, God, you're killing me. I think it's perfectly fine to say Derek Rose has had a tremendous comeback run here. Yes. Given the circumstances. But mm-hmm. due to like off the court stuff, like I'm just not a fan of him because of that. But also, like, I think it's also fair to say, because quick story, very, very quick story. I've had people in my DMs on Instagram sending me 27 straight unread messages that I've (laughs) not, I've not, I've actually, like, looked at them, but they don't know that I looked at them because I didn't accept the message. Yeah, Uh, He's a, he's, he's a Derek Rose stan and his bio is just like 10 roses, the rose emoji. And uh, that's all he posts about. And he just constantly calls me every name in the book because of mm-hmm. something I said about Rose in 2018, where now oh, said he shouldn't have been shouldn't have been in the NBA. And in 2018, he was bad. It's he shouldn't have been. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think I think Rose might deserve a third place look here just because of what he's done for the Knicks. Right. Uh, it's also been 34 games. Yeah, right. So, and that was I don't, that I don't was... know. That was my one thing that held him back because I think since he was traded to New York, he's been arguably the best bench player in the NBA or at least the most impactful. Yeah. And he's been legitimately good defensively too for them. Um, and we're speaking of him strictly in basketball terms because as we mentioned, there's some stuff yeah. about Rose that we don't care for. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, the the limit on the games that he's played for New York takes him out of my top three He'd, he'd probably be fourth, and he was he was a serious threat for number three. But I'm with you on Ingles. Um, coming into tonight's games, he was 67.4% true shooting, which is, <laughs> like you were saying, historically good. Um, and I think he was way more important to Utah once uh, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley went down because his ball handling, yeah. his pick-and-roll manipulation, his passing, his defense, all superior to Clarkson. So I got him sixth man of the year. Um, defensive player of the year. There's not a Suns candidate yet that belongs in that conversation. We'll get there oh, in yeah. future years with Mr. Mikhail Bridges. Um, and DeAndre Ayton's progress deserves a shout out, but I think we're both in agreement. This is Rudy Gobert by a country mile. Yes. Um, I thought, I thought <laughs> if I could try, if I could try to make a counter argument, I would, but Hey man, <laughs> got to shout out my buddy, Ben Dowsett for writing that article for 538 yeah, that was good. But just described Gobert having he's not only leading the NBA in every single defensive advanced metric known to man, he is leading NBA history. It might have dipped a little bit. It might have dipped since that article came out, but he was leading NBA history in 538 Raptor, ESPN RPM. Uh I, I can't remember the other one now. Uh, oh yeah, the b- basketball index is LeBron metric. I love how these names are just acronyms of teams for players now. <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna are we gonna get the media's names? Are we gonna get a Borgay uh oh, God. metric I, soon? I, I pity the fool who comes up with that acronym because <laughs> that's way too long. <laughs> exactly. You might have to go with young, I'm not sure. But uh Young's a I better word. Young could work. <laughs> I think Rudy is going to win it. Um by a landslide it's going to 
piss me off, quite frankly, that it's not going to be unanimous because you got people that think like, okay, Bam plays one through five defense, guards mm-hmm. everyone known known to Bam, but and, and they put a lot of value there, and they think that that is better than someone that is probably the best rim protector in the last twenty years. Like, yeah. I think there, you can say like playing or defending one through five is more useful in the playoffs. I think that's proven to be true, but it's a regular season award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think people already get spooked about him getting played off the floor and it could just be a yeah. bad matchup, honestly. Um, and that's how the playoffs work, but this is a regular season honor. He's the leading shot blocker, I think second leading rebounder. Um, and he's gotten a lot better about defending on an Island um, as far as his yeah. numbers per possession on isolation plays are a lot better. Um, There's so only I, like maybe three or four players that can really cook him in those in those spots, and the Suns have one of them. <laughs> they do, that they do, and and that's an, that's an interesting thing because both Devin Book, the Jazz prefer to force you to take mid range shots, and they have two mid range killers. So if they do see each other in the playoffs and surprise everyone by knocking off the LA teams, uh, that could come <laughs> into play again. But uh, most improved player, I think. You know, Mikael Bridges might have had a case, but he just doesn't have the numbers. I think he might next year. Mikael Bridges yeah. is my way too early pick for most improved player next year. I think Me he could you legitimately... For, we picked him for this year. <laughs> yeah, we did. I, I think he could be a 20 points per game scorer next season. Not this season, obviously. Um, Julius Randle is my guy. Just the way he developed his three-point shot and his handles and put up a 24-10-6 line on the biggest surprise team outside of Phoenix. The Knicks are the four seed in the East, and he's shooting like 41% on five attempts per game from three. The three-point yeah. thing came from out of nowhere. Um, who, who's your pick for most improved player? If you don't say Randall, you're a hater. So <laughs> it, it's it's Randall. It, it's Randall. And, hey, I, I love Julius Randall. Uh, you know, I, I used to be a Lakers fan. Like, I used to be really diehard into it. And when they drafted him, I was like, man – that this I I was really bummed out he missed that whole first year and he played fourteen yeah. seconds or something and and, mm-hmm. and fourteen yeah fourteen seconds or fourteen minutes and hurt and ruined his first season broken leg so to see what he's developed into now has been awesome I don't think anyone on the planet even Julius Randle saw the three pointer coming the way it's been like no it's been <laughs> it's stupid wild yeah I like, like to ask John Calipari like did you see this shot coming for him like. <laughs> This is this. I mean, what we're seeing from Randall this season is legitimately what Lakers fans hoped he would be, but even better because of the three point yeah. shot. Like he's been great. Yeah. And also, it, it kind of annoys me though because um, it annoys me about the most improved player criteria because it's all about like the <laughs> mm-hmm. it's about the scoring production and just like the the raw per game numbers. Mm-hmm. When in 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 theory. I think you can make a really good case if you actually wrote a thousand words on the thing about mm-hmm. Mikel Bridges. Yeah. Like I, I really do think that that what Bridges has done on a championship contender, whether you rank them like fourth or fifth or sixth on the hierarchy of contenders, they are a contender. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder. Or it's not harder. It's it's just as hard to do that as it is like to just. I guess put up a lot of points, but Randall has mm-hmm. been doing it on the fourth best team in the East. So you can't just say it's been, it's been like these garbage uh, time numbers. Like right. it's been really good numbers on a winning team. So you have to give it to Randall, but 
but Bridges being the defender he is, shooting like what like 43% from 3 I, I believe in the corners it's even higher than that mm-hmm. um he defends everyone known to man it, it, mm-hmm. i think what he's done and the role that it, it's like a, a role that he has to succeed in if he doesn't succeed in that role the suns are not the two seed so mm-hmm. that that's also important so i you can't give it to bridges but i think he deserves a place at a look at second or third right and that's a good point cuz the criteria for most improved player is kind of annoying in that it's very easy yeah. to just look at raw points, rebounds, assists, increases. Um, and some of the time that just comes with an increase in minutes. Um, I, I think you do, we do need to do a better job of looking at specific skill sets and roles that guys expand um, and develop. But, you know, that requires a lot more work and some of the people that are voting <laughs> on these awards are not willing to do that. So, uh-huh, um but let's uh, let's talk about our last individual award here, Coach of the Year. I think we're both in agreement that it's Monty Williams, um, but you could also make the case for Tom Thibodeau or Quinn Snyder. Um, my thing is that it's Monty because, you know, as much as James Jones upgrading the roster with the CP3 trade and getting depth was what made the difference, and as much as Devin Booker is still the foundation of this all, none of that, like, comes together and kind of coalesces without the culture, the lunch pail work ethic that Monty installed in Phoenix, you know, his, his Monty-isms, we hear guys say it all the time, you know, that everything you want is on the other side of hard. Um, Can't get happy on the farm. Like the way he, he literally gave them screws as a message that we need to tighten things up down the stretch of the season. Um, And before the season started, he gave them buckets and hammers to symbolize that it's time to go to work. And they love shit like that. (laughs) It sounds like he, it sounds like some Phil Jackson stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Did did they ever cross paths? I don't think they ever were on the same staff. I don't believe so. No, no. But like that, that's kind of like, that's what I like about Monty is that he picks up something from everywhere he goes. I think what we've seen this season is the best Greg Popovich in person, like impersonation. Like I think yeah. we've seen him deal with a lot of stuff, whether it was uh, th- this new team, a new dynamic, um, expectations. Like mm-hmm. the first time they've had expectations and God knows how long. Yeah, And it's just such a cool story from what Monty's been through personally to be mm-hmm. at this stage with a contender that can easily get, or not easily, but they can get to the Western Conference Finals. It's, it's awesome to see that. And I think he picked up a lot of stuff from Philly. He picked up a lot of stuff at San Antonio. Like he's been Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city. He's been around. And I, I, I love that he coaches this team, this team that's younger minus, I guess, a couple of players on the team because he's coached what Russ and KD he's mm-hmm. coached like the, you know, Embiid and Simmons, like he's been around mm-hmm. San Antonio, like he's been around a lot of different cultures and yeah. I think that is the reason that he's doing as well as he is now. Yeah, it is very cool because like you were saying, he does pick up stuff from pretty much everywhere he goes. And it's been neat to see him combine that into sort of his own thing. Um, you know, obviously he had the New Orleans Pelicans back in the day, but it's been a long time since he was a head coach in this league. And he has really put together a winning, hardworking culture here in Phoenix Um, And he's got the right guys for it. He's found a way to relate to a bunch of youngsters that were having problems and constant turnover. So that's neat. Um, And, you know, Tom Thibodeau, I think the Knicks are the most surprising team. Maybe they're the most surprising. Maybe the Suns are just because of how high the Suns are. But my case against Thibodeau is that obviously the Suns are 
the number two team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And then with the Knicks, like back in 2013, 14, that Phoenix Suns team that won 48 games and still missed the playoffs with Jeff Hornacek, Jeff Hornacek didn't win coach of the year that year, even though that team was expected to tank, they were expected to be like the worst team in the NBA. They won 48 games, but they missed the playoffs. And so I think that's why Hornacek didn't win the award. I don't, I would have a problem with giving Thibodeau the award if he coaches the Knicks to fourth in the East (laughs) and they have a worse win percentage than that Suns team did. Like that wouldn't make sense to me. They've won 10 fewer games and here's something. The Knicks are under 500 on the road. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to shit on the Knicks. (laughs) No, like like, Thibs is my number two guy. He's my number two guy on the ballot. I'm going to, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. He's my number three guy. Oh man, you got Quinn number two? Yes. I think, okay. dude, like you can talk about Gobert's defensive dominance. You could talk about Mitchell averaging 26 a game on really efficient shooting now. Uh, I think it's on, it's like, I, I know Suns fans hate this, but mm-hmm. the Booker and Mitchell stuff, like it just yeah. keeps on drawing closer and closer. Like mm-hmm. one, one outshines the other for a few months, the other comes back and does it <laughs> for the, for a few months, and then they look like they're very similar again. Um, I think Quinn has gotten their offense and it's a process. It, it started way back in what, 2014, 15, whenever, like, you know, that team was really coming together. Um, and it's, or I guess 15, 16, and it's just eventually built up like his culture of passing the ball. Like they always are like near the top of like passes, uh, on a possession basis. Like they, they move the ball around a lot to search for the best shot. They are always going to be top 10 defensively top five most of the time um they've kind of just built a a framework that's gonna it's gonna lead them to regular season success every year and now we're seeing the culmination of like they're the best team in the league statistically yeah no and i think that's fair I, i think quinn snyder has kind of gotten overlooked in the situation um but you know i think the thing that hurts against him is with like coach of the year it's very narrative driven it's very like story driven because the only way that we can evaluate coaches really is like wins and losses um so if that was all it was Quinn Snyder would win but like we love a surprise story we love a a team that has a story that's like tied directly to its coach and that's kind of what the Suns and the Knicks have um I wish Nate McMillan were available here I guess I think Nate McMillan would if you would give him a full season he would be in there somewhere I think I think the sample size for me personally is too small but the turnaround has been incredible he'd be my number four guy um let's move like we'll do all rookie teams but obviously Jalen Smith is not in the running for any of those so um I'll just fire mine off for first team I got LaMelo Ball Anthony Edwards Tyrese Halliburton Jay Sean Tate and Isaiah Stewart and then for my second team, I've got Emmanuel Quickly, Sadiq Bey, Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro, and Jaden McDaniels. What about you? I, I, like, I'm kind of speechless <laughs> here because it, it it's going to sound like we copied each other. That's exactly what really? I have. I don't, I don't, think, <laughs> no I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any reason to expand on because like, there's only so few choices you have. Mm-hmm. whether it's rookies that didn't produce a lot, whether it's rookies that get, didn't get quite enough time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a lot of choices that can be, can be made, especially about first team. The first team is spot on second team by default. That's what I went with your second team as well, <laughs> because it's like they're you're choosing from you're, you're it's really a, a homework assignment to go through all these and, and choose. So that, that's is. what I went with. 
All right. I mean, that's, <laughs> I saw you reacting while I was reading and I was like, did yeah. I say one wrong or like, <laughs> because you can't, cause I'm page. looking, cause I'm looking at, I'm looking at my list and you just keep on repeating what I have written. That's like, <laughs> well, that's perfect. That means we can move on to our all NBA teams. Um, we, we, when These we, are going to be made, different. Yeah, I think they will. When we made our case for Chris Paul as an MVP, <clears throat> I think we made it for at least one all NBA team. I don't know if he's on second or third on your ballot. I think that's the only question at this point is whether he's a second team All-NBA or a third team. Um, so let's talk about Devin Booker and whether he's got a case. Um, 25.6 points per game, 4.3 assists, 4.2 rebounds, 58.7 true shooting percentage on the NBA's second best team. For me, after years of people saying that Devin Booker's not a winner or that his numbers are inflated or that he's not as good as he seems because he's not playing on a winning team, it would be unfair and like borderline hypocritical to move the goalpost now that his numbers are like <laughs> slightly down, but he's playing for the second best team in the NBA and he's actually like playing defense. But he's got better players around him. Well, that's the yeah, point. That's the whole fucking point. That's what you were trying to tell us from the start it's what we were crying to tell you that you know he's not going to carry a bunch of g league players to 35 <laughs> wins in the west it's not going to fucking happen <laughs> but uh shane let's let's go through our our teams and, and see where devin booker fits in there and chris paul too but uh yeah. first team i've got curry lillard luca Giannis, and Jokic. what about you i i really uh, okay so this is my problem with awards. My problem is if you don't pick somebody to be where, like, if we have one <laughs> disagreement, you automatically think that I hate that player. And that's what I, that's what I really despise about this discourse. Sure. Um, I think Luca's numbers have been a lot, they've been really good all year. Like he's finally shooting the three ball a lot better than he was the first couple of years. Like he's, he's a more complete player now, mm -hmm. but Defensively, I think Kawhi just had a great, tremendous season on defense. The minutes are kind of – I think Lucas still played about four or 500 more minutes. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give Kawhi the nod there. And I think Curry, Lillard, Giannis, Kawhi, Jokic. So just okay. one guy disagreement there. But but I know Luka fans, if they listen to this, I'm not sure if they will, but if they do, <laughs> like I, I – they're neck and neck. I just – with all NBA – I kind of throw the minutes gap out the window if it's if it's unless it's Close. egregious, right? Right. Yeah, I I think Kawhi's just been a better player than Luca. Okay, so. that's fair, and that's actually good to hear as far as the minutes thing because my if you were judging how because I'm, I'm yeah. I have articles coming out with my awards picks, all NBA picks, all that tomorrow. And I had to make my arguments as far as when minutes mattered and when they didn't. It's going to sound super hypocritical, but for all NBA teams, <laughs> I think I also was in agreement with you as far yeah. as it not mattering as much. It still matters, but not as much. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm assuming you have Luca on your second team, probably. Yeah, Fourth and team. I have, and I have. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting relegated to the G League. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I have Kawhi on my second team as well. So I've got Chris Paul, yeah. Paul George, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid on my second team. Who do you got? We're very close here. Chris Paul, yeah. <laughs> Luka Doncic, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. And I will say, like, I think uh, 
I'm I'm kind of thinking about going back and tinkering this a little bit. I because I, mm-hmm. I, I too, am going to write something about all this. I wanted to wait until the games are done so we have the final tally of minutes and points and stuff like that. Same. I, I, I said <laughs> I was going to write about All-NBA last week, but I thought, what's the point about doing that if mm. there's still a few games left to get things figured out? Right. I think Embiid can be on the first team since he's eligible at forward. I'm not can. a fan of the whole – I'm not a fan of that. Like, I'm not a fan of, like, let's put Embiid on the on – the, forward list when he's played zero minutes of forward in his entire NBA career. Right. And it's not really fair to historical teams like all NBA teams from two or three years ago, centers got kicked off the list because that wasn't an, that wasn't an eligible thing for them to be at forward. So like, why is it, Mm -hmm. why is it eligible now? So I understand that argument as well. Just be consistent about it. NBA. I think Mm -hmm. we should just do 15 best players. Don't do positions. If it's five centers, it's mm-hmm. five centers. Right. So Embiid is going to be second team probably, but I think mm-hmm. he should be first. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy on that, but yeah, we have the same teams <laughs> minus the Kawhi and Luca thing, I guess, man, we are, we are of one mind because I literally spent an entire paragraph in my article <laughs> talking about how pissed off I was that Joel Embiid, like a, that he's eligible to be a power forward when he doesn't play that fucking spot. And be like that we have these position designations in the first place that are holding him back from first team. I think Luca being a forward. Yeah, Luca's not a forward. (laughs) When does he play forward? I mean, it helps for this purpose, but like also, I would rather have Joel Embiid on my first team than Luca. I could technically put him there, but I don't want to because then who? Then I have to bump Rudy Gobert up to second, and then I have to figure out my whole third team all over again. Just get rid of yeah. the damn positions and we'll take the best 15. <laughs> I got to say, Gerald, I'm a little surprised that you have Paul George on the second team. Like, I know so? you, I'm a little surprised you do because I thought like, you know, this is how the world works. You cover the Suns, <laughs> you watch all 72 Suns games, top to or start to finish. I cover the Clippers. I watch all 72 Clippers games, start to finish. Right. So that's mm-hmm. just like, we inherently don't watch uh, can't I uh, so we can't watch a lot of the other teams like we try right. to during our time we 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 watch the entire league um, we you and I both do that but I have not watched all 72 Suns games mm-hmm. so it's like I from someone that's watched Paul George like I think the people that have watched him every game would have him second but maybe the outsiders or the, the national media wouldn't have that so a little pleasantly surprised that you do yeah, I, I just think he's had I mean he's his shooting splits have been scorching hot. He's had a really good season and I am one of the few people that doesn't give a shit what he does in the playoffs because again, <laughs> this is a regular season thing. Yeah. Um I would I want to see him continue that in the playoffs and not you know have those bad shooting games in big games like he's had in the past. Um but the, the whole pandemic P thing, like I, oh, and plus, you know, as part of someone who's watched every Suns game, I watched all three of those Clippers games. Oh and yeah. He was yeah. fucking unreal against the Suns. Like he was just I torching think he scored. Them. I don't want to miss. I think it was like a hundred and 144 points on like 130 or like 150 minutes. It was, it was a lot of points in a, in, in about the same number of minutes. He <laughs> shot the damn lights out against the Suns. And, and he's, you know, we can't forget that he's also a very good rangy defender as well. Um, and that matters in that this conversation. But um, so, so far we're pretty much on the same page. 
third team is where it might get interesting because there. I think we're going to be a lot different here. Maybe there not, are a lot but... of tough omissions here this year. Um, yes. But my my third team, I'm going with Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert. <laughs> we're way different. Are we? <laughs> I love this. I love. We're way different, and and you know maybe yours is maybe yours is technically better. We'll see. We'll see what the reactions are to this pod, but. So go through. You had Kyrie Booker. Oh, I had I had Bradley Beal. Oh, I just spoiled yeah. mine. <laughs> okay, you had yeah. Beal. You had Beal Booker, Tatum, Tatum, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert. No LeBron James. <laughs> no, nope. ladies and gentlemen. No LeBron James. Okay. No James Harden. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I think I think the Harden one was. At, at first, I, you know, maybe I guess in February or March, I thought Harden was going to be a first-team lock. Mm-hmm. And then the minutes started to catch up, like the hamstring injury. What, he missed three weeks, something like that? Maybe, I think it was around but there. Interestingly enough, they both played the same amount of games this year, I believe. Or LeBron, LeBron might have played one yeah. more because he played tonight. But that's when you get in, like Harden's a guard, LeBron would be forward. So I don't think right. that would matter. You know, they have two that's different fair. distinctions. But um, for me... I'll go Kyrie Irving. I mm-hmm. think I, he's met the minutes and games threshold for me. Yeah. Uh, don't I think when I looked at it, it was 54 games. I had a graphic earlier. I think it's 54 games. Yeah, that's enough for me. Um, Bradley Bill, okay. 31 points, 31 plus points a game. Like destroyed Kent Bazemore. You know I, <laughs> that, that that matters. That, Undefeated that on Twitter. <laughs> yes, uh, that's my guards. Tough. I, I love you, mm-hmm. book, but tough omission. I just mm-hmm. I, I think those guys have been better players, just not on as good teams as as Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, forward, I'm going LeBron. I, I I think like I'm not gonna say it's egregious not to have him because your list is your list, but I think like he's right. the he's still like the best player probably uh you mm-hmm. could argue i think I, last year i had him maybe third in the nba but he proved to be the best in the playoffs so we'll see uh i think his minutes have 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 been when when he plays he looks dominant so i'll give lebron the nod bam out of bio over okay. julius randall over jason tatum i guess for okay. you i guess that mm-hmm. would be your yeah the, the ones i'm different on and then rudy you cannot okay. have rudy so yeah no that's fair i think um I think for I like me, to hear I like to hear what you think about Tatum. Tatum, so Tatum was my toughest inclusion, uh, if that makes sense, because and Bam was my toughest exclusion. I think, um, just because Bam is so important to what the Heat do on both ends, and his development of that mid range shot has been huge. Um, he's a guy that can defend all over the court. Mm-hmm. My problem is I don't. I can't rationalize putting like the heat finished sixth in the East, which is fine. They're a legit playoff I team. I have a hard time season. Yes, for the Miami I have heat. a hard time putting two heat players in the top 15, even if they're both deserving. So I gave my heat spot to Jimmy Butler and I gave a Celtic spot to Tatum because Tatum, I mean, he's a much more advanced offensive player, obviously. Um, and he's yeah. no slouch. He's not on Bam's level defensively, and Bam plays a much more important position and role for the Heat, but Tatum's no slouch defensively either. Um, so I, I included him. I don't feel great about it. I don't, my whole third yeah. team, like you could, <laughs> neither do you, I. 
you could make a case for Kyrie over either of the two guards that I mentioned. Like he just joined the 50, 40, 90 club. Um, (laughs) And he, you know, he, for me too, he hits the game's threshold. I think in my case, I held it against him a little bit compared to Booker and, and Beal. I think Beal played only like eight more games more than him, but again, dude averaged like 31 points per game. Um, So yeah. And I took Kyrie off just because, I don't want to say I punished him for having better teammates because that's kind of what it is. But I I think it does matter that like he didn't have to bear as big of a load. Um, And that's kind of my thing with Donovan Mitchell too, as well. He missed, I think like he missed more, a lot more games than book because of this injury. Um, And I think, and like Trey young, we could talk about Trey young or Zach Levine, obviously Trey young sucks, but (laughs) Trey Trey young is a tough tough omission. He is, and he he has a huge responsibility on offense for that team. Not very efficient. I held it against him that he's like still one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Um, yeah. That was my rationalization there. But um, so how like how close in your pun intended <laughs> book is book from your third team? <laughs> in my book, I think. <laughs> So book is really close. Um, he, I think he's closer to Kyrie than Brad. Mm. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I think I think I'm comfortable saying that closer to Kyrie than Brad. Mm. Uh, although, like, the reason I say like Kyrie, Bill, LeBron, Bam, and, and Rudy Gobert is I just kind of view NBA all NBA as long as the games and minutes are close. I view it who, who are the best players. Okay, and Kyrie's a better player than the Devin Booker, and I think Riley Bill. Mm is a better player than Devin Booker, but it's, but Devin Booker will eventually be on that level, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, a knock. It's just like, right. he's not there yet. <laughs> it's just like, there's <laughs> so, only 15 spots for a league that's um, teeming with talent. Yeah. I think Booker would be next on the list, right above Trey. So, so Booker's next up runner up and then Trey is right under that. So, and then is, I, is Donovan Mitchell underneath that? He's tied with Trey. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Man. He's it's tied with Trey. That's I, fair. I hate that we can only get. All right, this is a guard league, and mm. we are only allowed six spots. Yeah, it's I, stupid. I just don't. I don't believe that for a minute. But then again, like, what would happen if we went positionless and we had one team full of guards? The centers would be pissed <laughs> the hell off. Like, get better. I just don't, I don't know, know how to. to... <laughs> <laughs> you can't satisfy anybody. Where's your step back three, Rudy? Um, But no, I I think (laughs) my last question for your all-NBA teams, though, would be, I mean, obviously James Harden is a guard and there's only six spots, so that makes it tougher. But Harden Harden was playing at like an MVP level. I think the Rockets thing, you could definitely hold against him the way his season started. Um, But what's, because I mean, he played one game fewer. I'd imagine the minutes are pretty close. So what's your reasoning for keeping Harden out of that conversation but including LeBron oh that's just because LeBron's a forward like that, that's okay. just because like like that's LeBron thought, but... yeah like because I think LeBron has met that threshold and he has been a lot better than Tatum a lot better mm. than uh who else Randall. we got uh Randall like mm. Jesus Christ I mean I think LeBron has been like there. <laughs> But I do understand like Harden being at the MVP level. I kind of get the hypocrisy there. Like he he has been at the MVP level and his minutes are 
roughly the same 1600 minutes. Let me look really quick for LeBron because because I didn't I didn't really factor that in. LeBron at night at a 1400 so 1500 minutes. I mean, Harden's played more minutes than okay. LeBron, but I think there's the guard um the guard competition. Like considering mm-hmm. like Kyrie, Bill and all these guys have played more games, more minutes and they've been better like it's just it, it's really hard to sort through so if i could put if i could fit like harden in there somewhere i probably would so i, I already i can already see that people are going to come at me about that one no it's fine i'd like i people are going to come at me for not having lebron Harden, kyrie donovan <laughs> trey young oh, yeah. bam at a bot like my fourth team all nba could arguably beat one of these three all yeah. NBA teams, but I think uh, I think LeBron. I think maybe LeBron's record when he's active is is like near. Oh yeah, it's like one of it, it'd probably be the best out of all these guys. I bet. Probably, I, I think for me, like if you miss like thirty eight, thirty nine percent of the season, I just can't in good conscience mm-hmm. do it. But I understand that people will, and that there's a good argument for including them, either one of them, well, just because luckily they were that we good. We have some uh, precedent. We have a precedent here where remember the season that LeBron hurt his groin, the first season Lakers. Mm. He still he missed. I want to say a good chunk of games. He played probably fifty five games that year, something like that, and he still made third team. So like, I okay. think he's still gonna make it, no matter That's if like fair. we have him on. I think he's still gonna make it. That's fair. Um, the last set of teams that we have are all defensive teams. And there is really <laughs> only one guy that on the suns that has a chance of making that. And he actually does make my all defensive team. Um, first team I've got drew holiday, Ben Simmons, Draymond green, bam Adebayo, and Rudy Gobert. Um, how about you? Close there. Um, we're close to the same. I got drew Ben Jimmy Okay. Bam. Two Miami guys, Jimmy Bam mm. and Rudy. Okay. That's what I'll go. That's yeah. fair. Um, I think that's, I think that'd be good. I think I have Jimmy on my second. Is Jimmy a guard or a, can he be guard or forward for these teams? He's probably the one guy in the NBA that you could say is a guard or forward. Cause he, he okay. plays people are uh, heat fans or heat writers that watch them all the time are going to negate this, but he could play both and he probably has played both a lot. So, Okay, good. Then I don't feel bad about having him as my first guard on my second team. Um, <laughs> then I've got Mikhail Bridges, Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Clint Capella. And this is where the hypocrisy comes in for me because I, I did take advantage of Joel Embiid being a forward, listed as a forward here, because I needed yeah. him to be on one of these teams. Who was your first team guards again? Uh, Drew Holiday and Ben Simmons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm fiddling with a lot of uh, a lot of different names for the guard spots because of of games played issues. Yeah, um, that's that's been a thing. Like I think it'd be a I think it'd be a no brainer if Marcus Smart played a lot mm-hmm. a, a lot more than he did. It's been mm-hmm. tough. Um, OG I think too. I'm gonna. Yeah, I know OG man. He's like he's like the bellwether. Like yeah, you know, he should be he should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fred Van Vliet has been awesome. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves a look. So I would like to leave that spot open for now, but like okay. for the sake of doing a podcast, I'll go for a Van Vliet for the sake of the podcast. Okay. Um, so for Van Vliet, my first guard, 
Mikel Bridges. Um, you could say like forward, I guess, but I but I kind of mm. like doing positionless stuff there. But I'll go Drew or not Drew. I'll go uh, Fred Van Vliet, Bridges, Giannis, Draymond, Clint Capella. Okay. So to, I'll, I'll break the rules. So was Joe? Wait, Joel was included in there? No, or I no? have. Okay, he was I omitted. Fred, right? I okay. omitted. I'm gonna go Fred Van Vliet, Michael Bridges, Draymond, Giannis, Capella, just so I could fit everybody. Okay, no, that makes sense. I yeah. again, I hated, <laughs> I hated that I was not willing to put Joel Embiid in a power forward spot for All NBA, but was for All Defensive. The difference for me is that like. Yeah. I, yeah. I want him to be on that team, and I and I, I don't think want to. could get. I think Capella could get the nod there because yeah. of the, the the availability. I don't want. I yeah. I didn't want to bump Clint Capella because he's been legitimately great for the Hawks this yeah. season. Um, my my toughest omissions were uh, Marcus Smart, like you mentioned, OG. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet. My problem with OG, obviously, aside from the games missed and Fred Van Vliet, was that their defense is like middle of the pack or like 19th or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, that's you can't really hold it against one specific player if they still play great defense, but like OG and I don't know, or uh, Lugens Dort, like he's a fantastic defender but I'm not going to give my vote to a guy on the 25th ranked defense <laughs> in the NBA. Like I can't, um, I, I, and really wish, I really wish Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus. I wish Marcus had played. I, I would have given OG maybe a first team vote if he had played more and Marcus smart would definitely be on a team if he had played more. Um, yeah. and Matisse Thibault, he is going to be terrifying. I think he's one of the best like help defenders and just, some of the best instincts that I've seen, but I can't give a vote to guy that's averaging 20 minutes a game. Like yeah. I can't do it. And, and plus like, I, like I cheated because I real as I'm doing this, like I realize uh-huh. it's just, it's impossible to fit all of bridges, Draymond, Giannis, Jimmy, bam. Like, it, like it's just yeah. impossible to get all of those guys. So like, I'm, I'm just going to put one as a, one as a guard and go positionless. So bridges, you are my guard. Sorry. All right. There we go. Yeah, no, he was listed as my guard. I think Kevin O'Connor listed him as a guard as well on his all defensive team. So yeah. we're, we're in the same boat. I, I feel weird about putting Butler there, but like you said, he does play some guard. So um, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting how we had very similar ideas. Um, the rookie was just ridiculous. Like I- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just spot on. Um, but I really, I think Suns fans, I, I think they're the thing that they're rooting for most aside from like coach of the year is Devin Booker and Chris Paul to get all NBA slots as unlikely as it is that they both get one. Yeah. And then very close second is like Mikael Bridges making an all defensive team because people here love Mikael Bridges and he's the best Dude. defender on the NBA's six best defense. Like he's got great instincts. He covers multiple spots. He's got those Gumby arms that like get blocks yeah. and steals he puts people in McHale jail. Like he, I would put him McHale in jail. <laughs> McHale jail. Bonk. It's a thing. But, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he does it while shouldering like an increased load on offense too, which is pretty cool. Like that's hard uh, to do. Also, I also think we need to shout out like this. Does this dude ever miss with inside of five feet? He doesn't. He's 80% He's at the rim this year. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, and it makes sense because of his arms. Like, he's the longest 
forward. He's like the longest, linkiest guy, but he's also like very athletic and fast. Like if you combine all that together, it, you just get this stud. And I, you know, speaking of Booker and Bridges, I guess together, I think the highlight of the season for me is like that that one game that Booker just threw two absolute ridiculous yeah. passes with <laughs> ninety feet. Yep. of space that it just threw this in these insane wicked fastballs that 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 bounce passes that went right to bridges hands mm-hmm. and you know once bridges catches it it's going to be a bucket like he just doesn't <laughs> yeah. miss near the rim or on the run in the fast break I, i'd be willing to guess he has missed maybe three buckets all year <laughs> yeah he's been absurd and he's it's been he's been just one of the many things that have made this team so fun to cover but uh Shane, thank you so much for joining the show. Tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can read your work, plug whatever you want to plug. You can make fun of me on, on Twitter at YoungMBA. Uh, you can, I guess, enter my DMs and and call me an idiot like a lot of stands do, I guess, these days. So YoungMBA on Twitter and on Forbes at, or well, I guess, for Sports Money section. This is where you can read my, my writing these days uh, until something else pops up, which I'm kind of working on getting some other outlets under my name. So we'll see. But right now, I guess this week, I only have a couple things to worry about. All NBA teams finally going to come out uh, mm-hmm. probably tomorrow. And then uh, Clippers Mavericks. Let's do this yep. again. Let's yeah. do it again. Run it back, <laughs> run it back. And then we'll probably have Suns Lakers. We'll have lots to talk about in the future, oh, but um Shane, thank you so much for joining. Everyone listening, appreciate you listening. Make sure to give Shane a follow. Uh, write the podcast a five-star review. Check out his All-NBA picks. Check out mine and my awards picks tomorrow. Um, but until next time, that's going to do it. This is Gerald Borgay signing off.